John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You're in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message. This is Pastor Fred Digby. Join me in prayer. Our dear God and Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, for your love for us. Thank you for another opportunity to proclaim your word. May it come to us powerfully, correcting, educating, healing, instructing, and drawing us closer to you to stay in readiness for your waiting. This and more graces are asked for in the name of Jesus, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. The story of Easter is always a powerful, powerful story. It is one of those stories that we do not tell just once. It is one of those celebrations that should influence our lives day in and day out. When we're growing up, there's a certain fruit in our neighborhood called agobin. And that agob, it looks like mango, but it's hard. And there's a saying that the sweetness does not wear out of the agobin before you throw it away. It means you can eat it, juice it, even try to crack the nut, but it is still there for you to eat. This Easter story is like that. It has so many, many aspects. So why am I still talking about Easter? Because there are still lessons to learn about Easter, the death of our Savior, his resurrection, and his impact. Today we'll talk about the unique death of Jesus. Talking about the unique death of Jesus, we will learn a few things, at least five things. We see that it was a prophetic prediction. It was prophetic. All that happened had prediction, had proclamation in it. Secondly, we see that Jesus endured punishment for our sake. Thirdly, he endured the mockery for us. Thirdly, there were strange things that happened when Jesus died. And last but not the least, the special preparation that was made for his burial is so unique that we can just marvel how people saw him and how they took care of his death and his burial because they were not expecting his resurrection, but he rose again. The unique death of Jesus. First, it was prophetic. See, when you watch Jesus, the kind of thing he said and did, it's always amazing. When you turn to Luke's gospel, and we see Luke chapter 23, from verse 26 to 31. Let's start from just 27. You see what happened. It is said that a large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. Then, Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. He continued, For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child, and the breasts 
that have never nursed. Why was he saying this? People will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. Let's take the last verse. For if these things are done, when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Jesus was being very prophetic. Here he was, going on the cross to die. Immediately we told him, verse 26, they saw somebody in the crowd, Simon of Cyrene. So they called him, Simon, come and take this cross and help Jesus. So Simon came. The large crowds continued and they were crying for him, particularly the women. You know how our women are. They are so compassionate. They loved Jesus. They just couldn't believe how all these conspiracies happened. They just cannot believe how people were shouting, Barabbas, Barabbas, Barabbas. It is possible that just like in most Eastern societies, the women may not have been part of those crowds. They stay at home. They don't join the rebels. They keep them at home. So they may not necessarily have been in the crowd. But even if they were in the crowd, they were overpowered. And so they were not part of the group, or even if they were part of the group that shouted, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. Now when they saw what they saw, and they saw Jesus being tortured, a man that did good wherever he went, as we learned in Sunday school, everywhere he went, he was doing good. A mighty healer. He healed the lepers. When cripples saw him, they started walking. Everywhere he went, Jesus was doing good. This is the man who was doing good. The mother will be there to tell her story. Mary Magdalene will be there to tell her story. There will be the, the people who supported him tell the story. There will be Mary's, the mother of Jesus, the relatives. They were weeping and weeping and crying for Jesus. Then Jesus turns around and he says something incredible. He said, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. What does it mean here? You see, you are crying for me because you have seen that I'm going to be killed. Because they knew where he was being led to. He was being led to the refuse dump outside the city called Golgotha, the skull place, or Calvary in Latin. A place, a dirty smelling place, a rubbish dump. That's where they were leading him to, to go and crucify him. They knew what was happening, what was going to happen. So they were crying for him. Then he turns to them, daughters, don't weep for me. Weep for yourself. Blessed are you who are barren. And blessed are you who never bore children. He's not saying that it is good to be barren and not have children. But he knows that the way the women were compassionate, just like women are so compassionate, when their children are sick, the way they cry. When their loved ones are sick or they are hurting, they cry. So the days are coming when you wish you were single, when you wish you didn't have any children, because you may not be able to stand the pain of your children being caught in the crossfire of wars and rumors of war. You say to the hills, fall on us, cover us. For if these things do not happen, then you see. Then he turns to them, say, for if they do this thing to wood that is green, 
what will happen when it is dry. He sees himself as green. All that he did was good. If they are doing this to him, what will happen? Well, to jump history or to just summarize, Jesus was prophetically talking about how Jerusalem will be attacked. Because Jerusalem did not see Jesus as their savior and turn to him for salvation, they will continue in their sins. They will continue in their rebellion. And they will be crushed. They will be crushed by the Roman Empire. They will be crushed by other empires. They didn't listen. When they were crushed, they were sent into exile. Families were separated. They were sent into exile and they suffered over there. So he was telling them, you don't worry. And he was telling them also, something will happen. The rapture will come. Many will be left behind. So instead of crying for himself, he was using the occasion to prophesy. That is our Lord Jesus. The uniqueness of our Savior comes from even prophesying up to the end of it. That's the way he came. That's the way he was supposed to go. And he accepted it. He made peace with himself. Last week we were telling us that Jesus was a courageous person. He marched into Jerusalem courageous, knowing that what he was doing had only one, one, one consequence. They will kill him, they will crucify him. But he was not about to change his mind. Well, so much for the prophecy. Then the punishment came. You see, it's one thing for you to be led to go and die if they will let you go in peace. But for Jesus, when you read verses 32 to 38, what do we see? They, there was a lot of punishment that was inflicted on him. For what reason? He had not stolen. They had not convicted him of any crime. So why was he being beaten? Look at verse 32. He was being flogged. Flogged and beaten. For what? What exactly did he do? There were also two other criminals with him. They were going to be put to death. And they will flog you and beat you before they do that to you. The Romans will whip him. If you recall the story of Herod, Herod did not find anything wrong with him. So why did Herod allow Jesus to be beaten up, put a robe on him and say, just take him away? For what? For nothing. An innocent man being killed. But he did not only enjoy it, he suffered because the biblical understanding is that it is you and I who deserve that punishment. But the punishment was put on him. If you turn to Isaiah chapter 53, say, our punishment was put on him. He carried our sins on his body to the cross, Peter tells us. Oh, it's just like somebody who you owe, you're supposed to pay. And somebody has worked so hard, say, I'm coming to pay your debt. He paid the debt for us. He paid the debt he did not owe. We owe the debt we could not pay. We needed somebody to pay for us, and Jesus paid for us. That is the uniqueness of his death. Apart from the punishment, there was also a lot, a lot of mockery. A mockery from the crowd. Oh, he saved others. Why won't he save himself? 
They did not only laugh at him loud and spit on him and mock him and say, King of the Jews, and give him a staff. They mocked him. Even when he was hanging on the cross, you would have thought that that would be a place where you have peace. But one of them said, no, Jesus, who were criminal, one was laughing at him. They continued mocking and mocking and mocking at him. Then what did they do? We're told that the soldiers, soldiers, they wanted his garment. Look at verse 35. Then the soldiers mocked him and offered him sour wine. The sour wine was supposed to deaden his pain. But he didn't want any painkiller. He wanted to bear our sin and feel it in the body and feel it. The pain meant that he was alive and he was feeling it. So he endured the punishment. He endured the mockery. They gambled for his clothes and they took it. So as far as Bible is concerned, the punishment and the mockery, he bore it on our behalf. But then we begin to see that strange things happened when Jesus eventually lands on the cross. Strange things. Strange things. What are some of those strange things? The curtain of the temple was torn in two. You may have to imagine it that there's this huge curtain. You go to a big hall, maybe a national studio or one of these assembly halls, there's a curtain from top to bottom, wall to wall, and something has happened. How would you tear that curtain? You probably tear it from bottom up. Even if you're opening it, you're opening it from bottom and up. But this one, all of a sudden, things were happening. There was thunder. There was lightning. Strengths were happening. Eventually, the curtain was torn. But look at verses 44 and 45. 44 and 45 bear a testimony about the uniqueness, the strange thing that happened. Verse 44, now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. Three solid hours of darkness. Then the next verse says, what happened? Then the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Nature itself was protesting. Or they talk about eclipse of the sun and eclipse of the moon. Complete darkness. Have you ever been in an eclipse? I saw one eclipse some time ago. It was incredible. They were told that the eclipse would last for about one minute. And I always remember what happened. We're standing in front of our office in Osu when around 9 a.m., between 9 a.m. and 10 a.m., the atmosphere was getting dark and dark and dark. And we're giving these funny glasses to watch the sun and the moon come together. In those minutes, we saw chicken running to their coop. It was 9 a.m. We saw goat and sheep running because it was getting dark. They were running back home. Then they went back home. It was dark. It didn't last for only five minutes. 
Then all of a sudden, the sun appeared again. So the bright sun. Then the cocks started crowing. I said, what? Look at these animals. They are responding to nature. The goat and the sheep, the animals came back again. I said, oh my God, what a wonderful God you are. Friends, for three hours, nature itself protested with darkness and there was confusion. That's because Jesus, even nature, had respect for him. The sun refused to shine. There was darkness in the afternoon and nobody could understand. And then Jesus cried with a loud voice. He did not deserve to die, but he was about to die. Verse 46 says something. It says, Now, Jesus calling out, Father, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now, the uniqueness of the death of Jesus is this. The Romans designed the punishment of death. They wanted people to learn the lesson. Slow death. It was slow. It was long. And it was painful. But you will not die easily. So when it was getting to the time when the Jews have their Passover, they would come and break the bones of whoever they wanted to kill. When they came, Jesus was gone. He was gone after he cried, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he was gone. What is happening here? Jesus had earlier on said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will not die. He had earlier on said, nobody will take my life. I lay down my life and I will take it up again. Hallelujah. And so, after nature had protested, after all the mockery and everything that was done, he cried, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he died in dignity. Hallelujah. He died for you and I in dignity. Friends, no matter what you are going through, through all the changing scenes of this life, in trouble and in joy, in good times and in bad times, whether you are young or old, if you are a believer in him, believe that the Lord who has called you has paid the ultimate price for you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. He is with you even up to the end of the age. No matter what suffering you are going through, he is with you. He went through it and the only thing he knew how to, what to do and how to do it, say, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Many saints have followed the Lord and died like that. They see the clouds open. Stephen said, I saw the Son of Man, and he died gloriously. Many saints are seen smiling when they are going. The chariots, they are coming for me. May you believe in the Lord that when your time comes, you go in a peaceful way because our Lord went in a peaceful way. By talking about the strange thing that happened, you read a powerful testimony in verses 47 to 49 of Luke 23. It says, Now when the centurion 
saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly, this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their chest. And all his acquaintances and women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching all these things. Can I say praise the Lord? Yes, indeed, praise the Lord. You have to say hallelujah. The centurion, a trained hardcore soldier, the Roman army, may have seen many people being crucified. He may have heard many of them cursing, cursing, cursing the governor, cursing the mayor, cursing the emperor, doing anything that they want to do, knowing that they are about to die. And finally, when the time comes and they are not dead and they continue cursing, in order not to break the Sabbath law, they may come and break their bones to hasten their death. When they are in pain and they are crying for water, they may give them painkillers and they will take it until they die. But not Jesus. He bore the pain like a man. The elements protested. The cloud gathered. The sun refused to shine. The curtain was torn. Animals ran back into their coop. Nothing was happening. And the centurion, who saw these things take place, had to declare one thing, that this, I have never seen it before. I have never seen it before. The crowds were standing afar, and they saw all of these things. My friend, what was all this about? What do you read in the Bible? Was he a thief? Was he a criminal? No. A loving person, a kind person. But you see, John the Baptist has told us already that this man coming is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. Yes, that's the Lamb that was sacrificed over and over again. And at the time he died, that would have been the exact time when the Jews would have sacrificed the Passover Lamb. He died to be our Passover, that our sins will pass over us. Oh, would you accept him? as a forgiveness of your sins. In the Old Testament, they had another issue, or they had a, 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 a ceremony that they performed, the scapegoat that was taken out. They poured all the sin of the people on the, on the Day of Atonement. The priest poured all the sin on that goat and led it out into the bush, out as the city, and banished it, and it was gone. And when that happened, they believed that all the sins of the people were taken away. And they can go back another year and say thank you. But these things had to be done over and over and over again. Killing the goat over and over again. Killing the lamb over and over and again. It comes to the point where you know this is mere ritual. Because do you really believe that putting your hand on an animal and chasing it away, or slaughtering a sheep, really would take your sins away. Oh, it, it did, symbolically, only because one, God's word say, do it. So you do it as an act of faith, in obedience to what God wants you to do. That is why it became powerful. But secondly, 
it was only a picture. It was only a symbol of the real thing that was supposed to happen. And on that Good Friday, the real thing happened. Something, somebody bigger than a good, sacrificial good, the scapegoat was Jesus. Somebody bigger, with a better blood, royal blood flowing in him, Jesus became the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth to take away all our sins. Friend, if you are listening to me and you have not given your life to him or you have not realized that he was sacrificed for you, can you just say, Lord, I accept that I am a sinner. I now believe that you died for me. Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior because I cannot die for my sins. They're just too many. When I reflect on what you have done, I can only come back to you. You see, so he died on that cross as a sacrifice for all the children of Adam and Eve. And that sacrifice is still available today. As he had proclaimed earlier, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what he offered on that Friday. That's why we call it Good Friday. And it's still Good Friday. It is still powerful up to today. But then let's see the last point, the special preparation and his burial. Oh, there are some people who say Jesus was so powerful, he did not die, the disciples hate him, he got up late on, he went somewhere to recuperate and do all kinds of things. Because they just cannot understand how a unique, powerful person like that could have died. But the account we have of the scripture is that he died. Let's see how the body was prepared for death. First, after they had certified that he had died, in Luke 23, and Luke, we are told, was a medical doctor, a man of great reputation, who was not going to write a story to tell lies. He was writing to Theophilus, whether he was a lover of God or a governor. But this is what Luke said. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He was looking for the kingdom of God. So what happened? This man went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Verse 23. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. Hallelujah. Yes, he died. We're told that there was a man, Joseph, who went and asked for his body. The body was removed from the cross. He went back to the governor, Pilate, the Roman governor, and the Roman governor had to be sure that the man was dead. Otherwise, the man 
was going to be in trouble. Look, the man ruled over all of Judea and Samaria. It was their kingdom. So where was he going to hide? He needed the governor to say, yeah, I certified that he's dead. Say, Joseph, are you sure he's dead? Yes. So he may have sent people, go with him and go and bury him. Even up to the point where he put his signature on the tomb. That's how they buried him. He was buried in a grave. But verse 54 tells us something. It was a day of preparation. The Sabbath was beginning. And when those women knew that the Sabbath was preparing, well, the Sabbath was coming, they allowed him to be buried hurriedly. And because they knew he was dead and buried hurriedly, he might be decomposing. On the Sunday, they went there to look for his body so that they can prepare him properly, so that he will not rot, but preserved, preserved, preserved. And lo and behold, when they went, he was not there. He's gone. He's gone, and he's gone forever. The empty tomb is there. They found the stone rolled away. So when you look at what we are talking about, the unique death of Jesus, you see the prophetic part of it. You see the endurance of punishment. You see the endurance of mockery. You see the strange things that happen. Then you get a special preparation that was made. Everything showed that he was dead. But what is the story? The empty tomb is there to prove that my Savior did not die. He rose again and he lives. He doesn't want to live in the pages of Scripture. He wants to live in your heart. And next week, God willing, we will see how some lived, how some allowed him to live in their hearts. And I know, having accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you will join me next week as we share the story of how believing makes a difference. The Lord bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Degbe. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Biggs restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyle Filling Station. Our Amasamine campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamine Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano, opposite the Botiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via calvarybaptistghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 0302-231-854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.